Today on the show, we look at the cost of progress and the difficult lives of human biotics. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. And I'm Kevin. And I'm Jaden. Sorry, I had to turn on the mic with my mind. <laughs> I'm glad to hear the telekinesis training is going well, Jaden. Oh, it's, it's going fantastic. Uh, and I'm not even a 12-year-old boy, so. There you go. That's great. You're not even an L2 biotic, and you're already no. moving stuff around with your mind. And I'm I'm a grade A dumbass, <laughs> and I still have these powers. It's great. No Ezo involved. You're a natural. That's great. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Ezo and biotics, yeah, yeah, here we go. Segway time. We're back on the Mass Effect episode grind. Today we're talking about biotics in general, but specifically human biotics. And you know, anyone who's not familiar with the term biotics, I think you can just think of biotics as space wizards, basically. Right. I mean, that would be the most accurate description of them, I believe. Yeah. I kind of think of Bioshock and the powers you get in Bioshock. Kind of like one of those ads where it's like, do you wish to have superpowers? Well, <laughs> guess what? Now you can too. <laughs> Little Billy wants to make things float. Like stuff like that. That's how I think of it. Exactly. Honestly, there's a, a potion salesman company that just goes, hey, kids, you want some superpowers? <laughs> Electro yeah. Bolt, new from Adam Industries. Yeah. No, it's. It's, you know... You like the Iron Man? You can be the Iron Man. <laughs> Space magic is a pretty succinct way to put it, but, I mean, there is there is some backstory to it. I mean, you know, biotics, how they are represented in Mass Effect, you know, as an RPG, I think Mass Effect has, you know, sort of the class system where it's like, oh, are you a soldier? Or are you a you know technician? Or are you the space wizard? <laughs> or are you the, you know, person really good with biotic powers? And there's a pretty cool explanation for how these abilities you know work in this universe i I've, i always found i found it very fascinating when i first started playing mass effect uh, earlier this year because <laughs> i'm new <laughs> connor would you would you care to enlighten us enlighten us please on how 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 do i get superpowers in the mass i effect want world? i want i'd love to but it sounds like kevin is more uh, interested in uh spilling his brain no for i us. want them give me them give me <laughs> you them. want them okay um, well, I'll I want tell powers. I'll, Give me. It. Well, let me tell you how you get them, Kev. I, I'd love to, uh, you know. Well, l tell you the secrets. Uh, it all starts with this mysterious material, uh, this miracle element called Element Zero, also known as Ezo. That's kind of the street name. Element Zero was kind of the catalyst for the majority of the technology in Mass Effect. You know, there is that linchpin that separates reality from sci-fi, from science, from science fiction, and. In Mass Effect, that el that material is Element Zero. Element Zero is a material that, when harnessed, it allows for the reduction of gravitational fields. It basically makes gravity wonky. So with Element Zero, you can make things lighter than they actually are. You can reduce the mass of certain objects. And Element Zero is what makes weapons work. It makes interstellar travel work. And of course, it makes biotic powers possible. Kind of sounds like a real world almost explanation for like dark matter, antimatter, and that kind of stuff. It's it's that you know sci-fi stuff that makes the things do the thing. Good old sci-fi juice. 
<laughs> yeah. It's like it's like a theoretical element that like could exist, but we can't quantify it yet. We can't measure it yet. It, you know, we haven't really seen it in nature yet. But uh, yeah, element zero is the thing that makes the Mass Effect setting go around basically. But it also gave us this entire subset of not only humanity, but other species as well. These individuals, people, Turians, Asari, whatever, who are able to basically warp and manipulate gravitational fields by themselves. You know, no real, some machinery is involved, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, it appears like you're basically telekinetic. You're a space wizard. And what we want to get into today on this episode is the different species in the Mass Effect setting seem to approach biotic abilities differently, and they seem to treat their biotic users differently. And I think we're going to take a specific look at human biotics, kind of what they go through in this setting and, you know, the history of them and how they differ from their, uh, you know, intergalactic neighbors, because there are some interesting uh, divergences, I think. Yeah, the differences between species, I think, with with this whole thing, like, I think humans are, when we look at this whole thing together, you're going to realize that humans are a lot different at approaching science overall mm-hmm. uh, compared to a lot of other species in the universe. Definitely. So just get get ready for some weird human shit. Yeah. It's going to get it's going to get dark. It's going to get uh unethical <laughs> here in a minute. As usual, the human approach to new technologies is very much a monkey and typewriter. Absolutely. Yeah. And and when you're when your typewriter is an analogy for uh, being able to levitate things, throw them across the room or telekinetically crush objects or people into a singularity no bigger than an atom. <laughs> you know, uh it can get pretty messy. But yeah, let's let's get into the history of human biotics. It's an interesting story. How did human biotics come about? Who wants to answer this one for the class? Okay, so the first human biotics began to appear kind of not too long after the discovery of Element Zero and then, like, the human expansion beyond the solar system began. So it's commonly accepted that early starships, like, accidents and stuff like that, they kind of spread ESO, you know, spread the stuff <laughs> across the human the population centers and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, the good stuff. Um, it just, it was exposing kids. I mean, it was all over the place. Like, we'd have crash ships or you'd, heck, even, like, vehicles, you know, cars and stuff crashing. And, and this this stuff was everywhere. It really only seemed to affect the children, too. Yeah. In terms of giving them the powers. It probably just gave everybody else cancer. That That is the accepted science, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. You're a 12-year-old boy, I give you the magical ability to levitate rocks. And you're 38, you get cancer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, humans, the, the what, what they noticed was like it was like an age thing. So like the kids in utero especially kind of led to like the first generation of actual human biotics. You know, some kids were affected with like some weird head stuff, like headaches and all this other mm. weird stuff. Um, adults, just cancer, just that's it. You're, that's, you know surprise yay another thing that gives you cancer um Mm -hmm. and it then they kind of noticed these kids started being weird and (laughs) it just became an entirely new branch of science for humanity and i specifically say for humanity right yes because the other species of the galaxy have been using it or in the case of the krogan not using it for centuries and it really when when humanity was invited onto the galactic scale very violently they also gained access to technologies that helped them harness and refine the abilities of the gifted right. humans. So you find what comes with that is that there's a lot of plug and play science. You know, 
when someone gives you a new piece of technology, you're like, well, let's see if this thing works. So what do you do? You apparently you implanted it in an eight year old and see how that goes. And there have been it even led to some rumors that the uh, the systems alliance was deliberately exposing humans to ESOs to create more human biotics because they wanted to take advantage of this new science. You know, you've got you've got a bunch of new toys. Well, you need test subjects to use them on. So how do you get them? Make them. <laughs> well, we just we just dump some barrels of, of goo near to the water system and we see how that works. Rig the dice a little bit and then roll them and uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy, you weren't supposed to pour that in there. No. Oh, darn. Well, it kind of reminds me of like the uh, Bang Babies from uh, Static Shock. Yes. Totally. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, knowing that other species had biotic powers and like, you know, had an understanding of how this technology slash capability worked, I think we've explored before on the on the on the show and we've gotten into in detail humanity's sort of position in the galaxy being definitely the underdog, the new kid feeling on the back foot, feeling defensive. So if they, you know, they're powering up their new spaceships with these new element zero engines and they're going to other planets and solar systems and they're meeting these aliens who have freaking space wizards and their ships are exploding in either accidents or experiments who knows maybe both and uh, they're starting to expose kids in utero to ezo dust and they think well we gotta start weaponizing this immediately right <laughs> so we gotta it's it's an arms race like we talked about in other episodes it, you know typical human reaction yeah it's just we gotta capitalize on this opportunity immediately we gotta kick it into high gear and that's when a company called canotics industries i'm probably pronouncing that wrong canadics uh Canadian industries came along and this was a company that went on to develop kind of the first generation of implants you know Jaden, you mentioned technology that could refine and focus biotic powers the Devices like that are known as biotic amps, uh, and there's also kind of surgically implanted nodules of element zero that can focus biotic powers. And all these developments were possible, for humanity at least, thanks to the experiments done by Kinetics Industries. But as we've sort of touched on, those experiments uh, had, uh, had some uh, uh, sharp edges to them, to say the least. So these experiments, these implants, these training programs, all this shit advance the potential of human biotics but at the cost of like a lot of casualties and all those who didn't survive the rigorous tests and surgeries like these people i mean you have you want to talk about trauma you have trauma is this gonna be another one of those episodes where i get mad at humanity again probably yes it is there you go that's the way to look at it Um, do i have to get back on my quit fucking with kids soapbox (laughs) yes absolutely put that I put that thing away after the Halo discussion. Now I gotta bring it <laughs> Here back. Here we out go again. <laughs> Look, in in sci-fi, humanity just can't catch a break. Like they're always fucking around with children. Like they're just doing terrible things to kids. And it's kind of, it's almost like the sci-fi trope. Yeah. But like, other human biotics that like survived were driven basically insane, or they suffered brain damage yeah. as a result of like super early bio amp experiments. Like. A lot of the kids that survived didn't really go on to be the next Caden. You know, Caden got lucky and just gets headaches. A lot of these mm. kids literally went psycho or were just comatose. Speaking of Caden, <laughs> there's a there's a name, you know, fans of the series are likely familiar with. You know, we meet him in the first game and uh, depending on how certain things go, he can be with you for the rest of the series uh, or at least around. Caden Alenko is one example of a human biotic who went through, you know, some some hard times. And I, I think as a player, you know, starting up with Mass Effect 
for the first time not long ago, I had a fresh exposure to him as a character. And I really found it interesting how he attempted to overcome his origins. And his origins are interesting. You know, he, he was one of the many kids from his generation that was exposed to Izo as a fetus. But, you know, as we've mentioned, a lot of those people grow up to be, you know, kids crippled by physical deformities, just terminal illnesses, mutations, basically. But he was one of those who was fortunate enough, I use that term lightly, <laughs> to uh, develop biotic capabilities instead of terminal cancer. So he kind of was part of that early wave. You'll live, but you won't live well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure you'll like it, but pretty much you uh you're a special kid. You're you're touched by the by the gods. <laughs> so naturally, the uh, military just scooped him right up. Of course, yeah. He was uh, quote unquote recruited again, using that term lightly, by Canadics Industries to undergo biotic training and augmentation at a place called Jump Zero. Interesting uh, little side note: Jump Zero, also known as Gagarin Station, was kind of like right outside the, uh, the Soul System, right up, right beyond Pluto, and it was a. Uh, near the Charon Relay, the first Mass Effect Relay discovered by humans. So Caden, as a kid, was basically sent to the frontier of human space at the time. And, you know, it's kind of, his head was filled with all these things about, you're going to be a pioneer, you're going to be like, you know, a hero for mankind, and you're going to learn to harness these powers. Uh, But his training was anything but a grand adventure, I think we can say. Anything I can do? No, Commander, it'll settle down. It's rough sometimes, but they spike higher than a lot of L3s. Except for you, of course. Besides, I fared a lot better than some after Kinetics was through. I haven't heard anything about Kinetics in a while. Yeah, they quietly disappeared. Broke up into a bunch of little corps after they botched the training on Jump Zero. After first contact, Kinetics was set up to track Element Zero exposures and develop implants for humans. Once we had an embassy on the Citadel, Kinetics could bring in experts instead of taking it slow. Is there some reason we couldn't learn it on our own? They didn't know where to start. Hell, it took a couple of years to even link Biotics and Ezo. Forget trying to get the kids to move stuff. They had trouble just helping them not break their own limbs. And their choice of teachers didn't help much. The only experts would have to be aliens. Dead on. Turians, actually. That's why Kinetics kept it a secret. They were afraid of what people back home would think, asking the Turians for help when we just fought a war with them. The Asari would have been more acceptable than the Turians. Yes, but the company didn't go through the Citadel. It would have made Earth look weak, so they discreetly hired some Turian mercenaries. I'm sure Kinetics did what they thought was best. It wasn't best for us. They brought in an ex-military Turian named Commander Vernus. A real hard-ass. He basically had a free pass to break us if it would turn out a decent biotic. Kind of spiraled from there. Definitely wasn't Treasure Planet, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, Caden uh, had a rough time at training. Uh, you know, while he was at Jump Zero, he, he was under the instruction of kind of a drill sergeant type com- uh, figure known as Commander Virnus. Commander Virnus was a Turian biotic. He was a veteran Uh, of the Turian military and a very capable biotic. So here we have one of our early examples of a non-human biotic who's kind of teaching humans how to warp and throw and (laughs) levitate shit with your mind. And uh, Virnus had a- We've been doing uh, this for years now. Come on, (laughs) catch up. Let me show you uh, training wheels, how it's done really quick. Yeah. Yeah. And Virnus had 
how we say, a heavy hand with his training program. And uh, one day he was getting a little harsh on one of the one of Caden's fellow recruits. And in defense of his friend, Caden inadvertently killed his training instructor. So nice. <laughs> it was it was kind of like a, you know, didn't know his own strength. Caden unleashed his full power level on Vernus. And uh, ever since then, Caden was left kind of disillusioned with the biotic training program sponsored by the alliance that he swore to serve. But, and, you know, he still had these debilitating migraines throughout his, you know, throughout his adulthood and his military career because of the implants and the the experiments done on him. On, on the bright side, depending on what you, the gameplay decision you choose, uh, those headaches go away. <laughs> yeah, on planet Vermeer, uh, a permanent... <laughs> A permanent solution to his migraines is found. Yeah, his headaches suddenly stop. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> if you think about it, this is kind of um, a great example of the potential for human mm. biotics and how powerful they really are. Yeah. Because, you know, he killed someone who has had biotics for quite some time and was training him on how to use biotics. Yeah. So naturally, the uh, military, um, I was almost going to say the United States military, but we're talking about the Human Alliance military. Not the same thing at all. Uh, I saw that pretty, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but they saw that and was like, ooh. But basically, it's kind of like an example where humans were like okay we got something here we, we might have a leg up on everybody else yeah they're they're starting to realize their potential yeah i think that's a great point humans are realizing they are at the cutting edge of again like we've explained a very new field of science for them at least and they're you know i think they're realizing this is not the right takeaway for them but they are getting some takeaway telling them that the experiments, however horrible and abusive they are, and you know what they're doing to these young, very young trainees is obviously horrible, but they're seeing some results. They're seeing you know, just what human biotics are capable of, regardless of the type of scars they might bear as a result of their training and development that you know Caden is a very good example of. But if we want to talk about the, the potential, if you want to talk about powers and the potential of human biotics, oh boy, if I got a, uh, if I got the right girl for you. <laughs> yeah. Jack is, um, I remember when I first met Jack, I was like, who is this? I went, aren't you a well-adjusted individual? <laughs> no problems at all. Look, for all things considered, I think Jack is a very well-rounded person, to be honest. Like if you look at all the shit, I mean, we'll talk about it, but I'm just going to say right now. For all the shit Jack goes through, I see a very stable person for all that crap. What's your history with Cerberus? They raised me in a research facility. I escaped when I was a kid. Been on the run ever since. And they've been chasing me ever since. But soon, I'm gonna chase them. You think about this a lot, don't you? I go to sleep with this. I wake up with it. Everyone I kill, I pretend it's the ones that did this to me. So Jack, a.k.a. Subject Zero, Subject Zero. Um, Jack was abducted by Cerberus as a young child due to her exposure and biotic potential, the usual mm -hmm. shit. But she was at the center of a Cerberus project to enhance the biotic potential of all humans. And as we know about Cerberus, <laughs> they will do a lot of shit very... Um, either questionably, ethically, or just not ethically yeah, at all. Nothing's off limits and for them. So, yeah. yeah, nothing, nothing. We don't care. We'll do whatever. Um, so to this end, she kind of endured 
years of torturous experimentation and conditioning, leaving her kind of a, a spiteful, vengeful, rage-fueled uh, just being uh, with, like, no personal motivations beyond, like, survival and then just payback. Um, so, you know. Absolutely. This is going to be a slight tangent, but do we know how she got her tattoos? Because I assume a facility like that wouldn't want her to have access to needles. I I th- I could be wrong, but I think most of her ink came after she escaped when she was kind of on her own and just... Oh my God, that's a lot of ink. Yeah. That's a lot of ink for that such a short period. Well, I think also part of it was a defensive mechanism of like just trying to survive, like like hiding, like changing, you know, like how she looked. So it's harder for Cerberus to find her. Yeah, you know? it's, you know, even just looking at her, like at first glance, you can tell she's had a hard life. But I, I do want to yeah, point out yeah. really quick about specifically what Cerberus did to her. You know, one thing we need to understand is that part of the experiments were she was exposed repeatedly to aggression inducing drugs and gradually conditioned yeah. to enjoy violence. So when we meet her and she seems so, you know, bloodthirsty and aggressive, it's kind of like she has no choice anymore. It's kind of she's been made into that. It's not even like a uh, personality quirk at that point. It's just that's what Cerberus did to her. She has had little choice in the matter. And then, yeah, when she broke free, she was on her own and, you know, got the uh, tattoos and all that. And uh, she started to just go down this path of, you know, payback, obviously. That's how we meet her in Mass Effect 2. But. You know, that that doesn't take away the fact that just because of how she was born, just because she was born with the biotic capabilities that Cerberus was looking for and the potential, uh, you know, test subject, you know, because of what she represented to the rest of mankind as, you know, a very powerful potential biotic, Jack was robbed of her childhood and doomed to a life of hardship because of that experimentation, the conditioning. There's no going back from that. There's so much that was taken from her and it's, you know. It's tragic. It's it's hella tragic. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Here's the thing about Cerberus versus the Alliance. The Alliance is held accountable a little mm-hmm. bit more. So doing those things, you know, what they did to other children. I mean, we only know what we know from what the game has provided to us, you know, and like comics and like some extra stuff. But like to our knowledge currently, the Alliance did some pretty messed up stuff, but nothing like Cerberus. Right, right. Um, the Human Alliance is held accountable, you know, through government and public. And, you know, if, if something comes out to the public about it, there's consequences. Whereas Cerberus, there are really no consequences, like at yeah. all, because they don't give a shit. So they don't have anybody to be held accountable, that kind of crap. Like, it's not... To them, they don't care. They'll do whatever it takes. So this is a little bit more intense from what we've, I guess you could say, hope the Human Alliance did. Yeah. I, I do find it interesting. We have heard, like, you can hear in, I think, uh, some of the logs and just the reading material in the codex that the Systems Alliance, later on, you know, after Caden and his generation of biotic trainees have kind of moved on into adulthood, you know, down the line, the Systems Alliance did realize we were not looking out for these kids' best interests at all. Uh, we were irresponsible with how we developed human biotics. And there are kind of like reparations programs, basically, for early generation biotics. You can hear about how L2 biotics, like Caden, like from his generation, get sort of, uh, it's almost like a, I mean, it's almost like a VA program. It's just, you know, the, 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 the Alliance has these systems set up for them. Like, hey, you know, we're sorry for what we did to you. Uh, you can 
come live with us in our, you know, care facilities and we'll, you know, give you the surgeries you need to survive and all that. And if you were someone who went through these horrible experiments, how likely would you be to go yeah. into these programs, though, with the distrust that you have for your government that that's has a tough sell. you on a level that's so bad that you have to live with the micro sutures and the, the fractured bones that's a, that you suffered under this program. Yeah, that's a that's a tough sell for sure. Uh, but I, I think to Kevin's point, you still have something even worse with Cerberus. You know, just to think about how you know, look at what they did to Jack, what the what they turned her into, and and what that says. You know, looking at Jack as an example, that tells you Cerberus will do anything. They'll push any envelope. And later justify it with, you know, humanity first. We were just looking out for the best interests of all mankind. Hey, but did we get that seat on the council? Ha <laughs> ha! There you go. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, victimizing Jack was a price worth paying for Cerberus if it meant that human biotics could stand toe-to-toe with alien biotics throughout the galaxy. It was all about leveling the playing field no matter whose lives they had to destroy along the way. You know, this, the alliance with the with Cadence training had a similar approach. Like their goal was similar. We need to we need to be competitive in this new galactic political setting. But uh, like again, to Kevin's point, there is at least some accountability. There's at least some daylight on those operations. It's not perfect, but with what Jack went through, I think it it, it could always be worse. I guess is the takeaway. Okay, uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, but stick around. We will be right back. Having having explored both of their lives, though, Caden and Jack are two human biotics who had different paths through life. But, you know, convergence point there is they were both in one way or another treated like oddities and turned into weapons. Caden at least had the luxury of being a soldier more than uh, just a, you know, a sentient weapon. But Jack was uh, just an experiment gone wrong. <laughs> or absolutely or right if you're <laughs> depending on your perspective i guess but um yeah it's i think i wouldn't even be an experiment gone wrong i think it would just be a wrong experiment <laughs> that's a good Ooh, yeah. i like that that's deep i like yeah. that too yeah it's we come back to you know this core idea here in this episode of just what human biotics represent for the setting and caden and jack specifically they represented the cutting edge of human potential you know like we've talked about, biotic capabilities were a known quantity to the other council races. This is not new to them. No, not at all. But for humans, this is a new frontier. And it, it was a new cutting edge of science at the time Caden and Jack were children. So they really just had the really rotten luck of being born at the wrong time under the wrong circumstances. Like... Sorry, kid. Uh, you lived in the wrong century, wrong decade, uh, mm-hmm. with ESO dust, you know, in orbit of your home planet, which is not your fault at all. <laughs> Just tough luck, you know. It it's, sucks. It's like how future generations will look at us and like, oh, sorry, you guys had Facebook. <laughs> exactly. I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, Think about how lame it is. We don't even get superpowers. We just get our our angry relatives on Facebook. <laughs> we- what a, what a jib, you know? Like, what a, what a raw deal for we us. We just get our data auctioned off. <laughs> hey, you know what? We have an elusive man, the Zuck. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, Those robot eyes, let me tell you. Yeah. Our elusive man sucks. Yeah. He's lame. Doesn't even smoke in his hollow chair looking at the sun. I want a new one. 
just give just give me Martin Sheen. He's a real guy. He, he can be the real real elusive man. Uh, but to to tie a bow on this part of the conversation, though, you know, we we will look at Caden and Jack as examples of human biotics and how they you know they were living through the experimental phase of ESO nodes, bioamps, and other innovations, and. They got something out of it. They got these amazing powers. And, you know, Caden got to serve the Alliance with dignity and, you know, at least to some degree, he got to, you know, got to be right there at Shepard's side. And Jack became, you know, one of the most fearsome, pro- probably the most powerful human biotic of all time, you know, or at least up there. But they both really, really lost something in the bargain. Jack more so, certainly. But there's still this this hole in their lives that can't be repaired because of just the circumstances of their existence that were beyond their control. It's really sad. Okay, so now we've talked about humans and the uh, very negative way of how we've kind of looked at biotics and all the crazy experiments and how it's the new frontier and all this stuff. But Asari, for instance, let's talk about them because they were born with biotics. Like, that's just a thing. They just have it. It's as natural as being able to whistle for them. (laughs) It's crazy. It's yeah, it is funny how when you look at humans and how they scramble to understand biotics and they go through all these painstaking procedures to empower their you know biotic users, all Asari, on the other hand, by contrast, are naturally biotic from birth. It's just a matter of, you know, some of them choose not to really develop their powers. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I can do that. I just, you know, it's not a hobby of mine. Uh, but in, in fact, in order to be a member of the Asari military, biotic training is a requirement. You cannot be an Asari soldier without developing your biotic powers. And as a result of that, in the Mass Effect lore, Asari commandos are widely regarded as the deadliest biotic combatants in the known galaxy. You do not want to meet an Asari commando in a dark alley and, you know, be their target. No, you do not. And so, you know, this means that for them, for the Asari, biotics are just a natural part of life. It's not, it's not a problem to be solved or a discovery to be experimented on. It's nothing new. Yeah. They've nothing been that new. way for centuries, if not, you know, millennia. It's as a stark contrast to what we've discussed with humanity. Like it's, you know, this, holy shit, we got to figure this out. It's crazy. And the Asari are like, oh, that? that old thing yeah it's whatever and so as a i think you know branching off of that when you look at asari society skilled biotics among the asari are kind of seen as you know dedicated guardians of their civilization and they have a place of honor among their sisters the big difference here is though they're not seen as freaks by their by their species they're not anomalies they're not abnormal they just decided to get really good at this one thing they can all do. And that's a huge, stark contrast with uh, how people deal with, with their biotic individuals. I mean, if you think about it, too, like their society, it's normal in their mm-hmm. society to have these abilities. And it's interesting to view their society as like, you know, it's 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 like how, you know, it's um, I don't want to say it's like another sense, hmm, kind of, you know, but it, it's it's another extension of their being of something that they are capable to be able to do that is normal in their society or viewed as normal and so it's almost like praised to have really good abilities like that not just those abilities i mean asari value intelligence they value science they value learning but it's just another thing that they value very highly whereas humans it's almost like anything different happens for humans and 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 it's like all hell yeah. breaks loose. And, and you know, Asari have developed 
great technology and changes. And they've gone through issues in their society. But it's just so interesting to view how they see changes and learning and just change in general compared to humans. And I think that when it's directly linked to their species, like as a person, they approach things in a different kind of manner than humans. Yeah. Think about how long Asari live. They are, you know, a long lived species. Each each yeah. Asari individual can live for hundreds upon hundreds of years. So I think as a culture, they tend to take the long view. They tend to, you know, have a bit different perspective on these things. They have the time on their hands to experiment with something at a much slower pace right. than humans do. Right. I mean, if you think about it, like we at, we as a species, we get, you know, maybe 100 years mm. on this planet. And by the time you start experimenting with something, you've got like you work on something for maybe, what, 10, mm. 15 years. Whereas Asari, they've been experimenting that, you know, they can go. I decided that this century I'll be a scientist <laughs> and next century I'll be a right. gardener. It's like, yeah. wait, what? Exactly. <clears throat> But they value that. They value change almost because they live so long. They see so much of it that they value change and they value development. And just even in science, like they have definitely had some like gray areas in terms of experiments and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, Asari are not like humans. I It's one interesting example of, you know, how the Asari, you know, they have biotic abilities, you know, like we said it's natural for them. It's like being able to whistle or sing or juggle. And we can see here that, you know, their culture gives them free reign to develop these abilities or not. And you know, again, going back to what we talked about with humans, if you're a human biotic, you're not really given a choice. It's you, you have to learn how to use these powers because you're one of the first of us to be able to do this. And I think that sort of engenders some authorization. With human biotics, it's, you know, you're seen as suspicious you're different you know people look upon you with you know either some fear like you're different what are you you're, you're weird or they see you with delusions of grandeur and greed like i can use you you know you can be a tool for me like we like that was jack's whole life basically so it's one interesting example i'm going to go to andromeda actually really quick for this one <laughs> this is really reaching for this one but when uh, a main character named cora is revealed to be a biotic uh, individual. She has biotic powers and she's a human. She's a human biotic. She's revealed as biotic and another human named Liam, he kind of remarks with surprise, like, you're biotic? Like, he didn't know that. And she kind of just sarcastically says, don't worry, it's not contagious. <laughs> and it just ma makes me think of like, you know, human attitudes to biotics. It's, you know, it's again, it's an oddity. It's, uh, it's not normal. It's brand new. I think that brings us to, uh, you know, a conclusion point or at least one conclusion we can take is that, you know, it represents an evolution for their species to be a human biotic. And unfortunately, it's not about being gifted. It's about, it means you have a target on your back. People will want to exploit you. People will want to take your individuality away from you and make you an experiment. And the Asari never had to deal with any of that. And so I think, you know, having talked about their long view, their patient approach to learning, I'm sure this is cliche, but we have much to learn from these people. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think to also add to that, when it comes to, like, for instance, Asari, they view biotics as a part of you, and it is a part of your individuality. But when it comes to humans, you're a tool because you can do this thing. You are a tool that we can use. 
You no longer are an individual. You are no longer a person. You are just seen as a means to an end. Like if, if you're a human biotic, it's suddenly, it's not about you anymore. It's, it's about the species. Like you have to think about, you know, expanding the horizons of human knowledge. You know, it's like, well, you, you wanted to have a life of your own too bad. That's over now. Like you, you have responsibilities now. Uh, it's, and it's like, God, I wish I could just be an Asari and be a gardener for 50 years, <laughs> just then learn how to cook for another 50 years. And it's not a big deal, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Those are the cards we're dealt as human biotics. Stupid, frail human body. <laughs> so now having explored the history of human biotics and especially kind of Jack and Caden and their lives, and then with the Asari as a point of comparison, what takeaways do you guys think we have for the topics of human biotics and just overall, you know, the comparison of honor in their society and the advantage that humans have taken for biotics compared to other mm. species. I'm, I'm okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on it right now. I'm standing Do on it. my soapbox. All right. Uh, those of you who are in charge of, of high tech civilizations, come here. <laughs> Sit down. Stop using children <laughs> in science experiment. No, no, no. I, I see you over there, Star Wars. <laughs> I see you. I know yeah. you, you think you can get away with it. You can't. Okay. <laughs> no, not you either. All right. Everyone, let the kids be kids. Figure out how to make it work. Yeah. All right? Or I'm coming after you. Well said. Well said. Uh, My thoughts are fairly similar. I mean, I think it's one thing when something is a part of your being and, like, your society. Like, for instance, I think, like, the mm -hmm. Asari, right? So that is a part of their society. It was built in tandem with that involved in their species, you know, like it's an extra limb, you know, um, and I think that they're a perfect example of what it should be like, but also to the point where if they didn't have it and then they had it, you know, how would they I, we can't say how they would react to this, you know, adventure of biotics all of a sudden. Um, but I think the way humanity approaches stuff in this universe is total shit. But I think it's a pretty real, realistic yeah. example. Um, it's believable for sure. I think that, you know, um, I think there's a huge difference between how the human government versus human special interest groups, how they are approaching it. So the government has to abide by, um, I guess, visible rules for its society. That's not saying, you know, of course, they didn't do stuff in the shadows. I think doing stuff on kids is totally fucked. Like, that's like sure. a big no-no in my book. And, the, of course, like, having seen what happened to Caden, the one line, like, in the beginning of Mass Effect 1, oh, he just suffers from migraines. It's like, that's it? That's all you get out of that? Um, obviously, we explored a little bit more, um, and we do see some of the crazy stuff, and we explore a little bit of what the government did and how wrong it was. And then we see Jack's story, and I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Um, and I think that that's really crazy when, you know, you have I – don't, I don't think it's an example of, like, an NGO that's, you know, solely human because I think a lot of organizations and secret groups and all that stuff will pro would probably do similar things having been unchecked for so long. But I think there's something about humans that makes it worse because of the way humans have approached yeah. stuff. 
But overall, my biggest thing is if this stuff was well known in the universe, like the galactic government already had so much information, multiple species had all this data and science and just experiments and things they already knew. Why the fuck are you still doing it? Like, it's right there. Why do you have to do it? I understand that humans are a different species, and it's like, okay, how does the human physiology work with this? I get that. Don't get me wrong. I understand that, like, mindset. I, uh... But what the fuck? It's right there. I don't know. It's just that, to me, is just, like, carelessness and just bullshit that I look at humans and I'm like... They're, like, my least favorite species in the whole entire game now. Like, when I when you go through all the games and you just learn, like, yeah, cool, humans are different and they're bringing everybody together and blah, blah, blah. But it's, like, when you look at the nitty-gritty and how humans have approached a lot of these situations, they're not great. And they're always out for themselves and special interests and not about everyone. And I'm just, ah, bleh. I think it's messed up. I think humans you know do better man just that's all i can say is just do better it is really hard not to feel awful for kate and jack and the other human biotics because they didn't choose their path through life it was forced upon them and caden at least had some choice in how he put his abilities to use and after his training he tried to go on and make something with his life he tried to serve proudly you know be be a integral part of the systems alliance and make a difference you know do the right thing and you know, put his training and his implants to use, but they, you know, what he went through still left scars on him. And Jack, God, she had an even worse experience because, again, of circumstances beyond her control. There's, you know, I guess a possible bright spot with uh, the way her story kind of winds up in Mass Effect 3. I will be transparent. I have not played Mass Effect 3 yet, but I understand that she has an optimistic future, at least in the sense that she puts aside, you know, the simple, petty, desires of just looking out for number one and killing anyone who crosses her and getting revenge and just bare primal survival instincts she moves on to something a little bit bigger than herself and a little bit better and tries to teach you know new biotic children how to control their powers she tries to pay it forward you know make sure that they don't go through what she went through now unfortunately the reapers invade and those kids are kind of pressed into service like you know in some ways she was so there's only so much you can do again sometimes you can't you can't control what happens to you you can really only control how you move on from it how you uh grow from it you know human biotics they went through a lot because of what their own people did to them what blind fate did to them uh but you know for good or bad they were still on the bleeding edge of new science or at least new for them so they kind of went where no humans went before, and it was hard on them. But uh, at least they tried to give back in some ways. They made the best of the situation that they could. And that's something to have some gratitude for. But god damn, it's, it is dark. It's a dark path to walk. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party, and check out our YouTube and Twitch pages for more bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.